This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Tuesday the 27th of December 2022. I am Stephen Scott and today we are back doing again our 7 days of 2022 the big tech companies part 2. Welcome to Double Tap 7 Days of 2022, the big accessible tech review. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. And here we are again with Sean Priest. Hello, Sean Priest. Have you finished all your turkey yet? Oh, I am in a bit of a meat coma, I must admit. I mean, there's mountains of this stuff, and I just can't stop myself. I will just graze until I explode, but... God, it's a good time. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. And here's the question. I always wondered about this with you, because I know you like your takeaways. Yes, I do. So have you had more takeaways or less takeaways in this festive period? Oh, no, uh, far less. Although, you know, there's still plenty open, surprisingly enough. Even Mm. on Christmas Day, I think there was two or three. I did check. Wow. I go, I check my news apps, I check my email, and I check my um, food takeaway to see just what's happening, see if there's anything new in time. (laughs) So, So, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I don't want to pick on you because it's that time of year where we're all nice to each other and uh it's all uh good. I I just, you know, you said something there and I just felt it's a little bit of a lie. Checking my emails. You checked your emails. I mean, I believe you would, I totally get the the news. No, Steve. I totally get the takeaway. Yeah. Emails. No, no, no. I always check my emails. The problem I have is that I tend not to reply straight away. I will say, oh, I'll come back to that. And I never do. I always forget. So, um, yeah, at least I do check them. I will say this. I am exactly the same. There must be a name for this. If there isn't, there should be. Laziness. (laughs) Well, it is. It kind of is. But, you know, honestly, I, I do this thing where I check my email and I find an email from someone and I think... I really need to reply to that email. And I don't know what it is. It's usually because I'm on my phone and I'll yeah, think... Yeah, I don't want to type. I can't exactly. Type in, you know, and dictation is uh, so hit and miss now. I keep meaning to turn off the auto punctuation. I still haven't. So, you know, it sounds really weird when voiceover reads it out to me because there's mm. commas and full stops all over the place. So, yeah, I really should get... I should have treated myself over Christmas to a Bluetooth keyboard. I still haven't got one for my phone. Oh, but I'll be honest with you, as much as I love that... And I do love that. I do love using my keyboard, but I, I still, even when I, if you're doing long emails, if you if anything goes wrong in the process, or say for example you're um, typing an email and you get a notification through, because the the focus throws itself to whatever the notification is, you then have to get rid of that on the screen, and then you have to get yourself back to where you started. Oh, absolutely, that's oh, the nightmare the, of it. The trials and tribulations of being a screen reader user. I was Mm. trying to read a Facebook post the other day, and it was a lengthy one. I mean, it was like an essay. And I'd get like a couple of paragraphs in, and then I'd get a notification, and it would would stop reading. So I got, all right, back to the start, listen to it again, and then another notification. I gave up in the end. It was an absolute nightmare. I will say, I think that the iPhone's great for some things. Like, for example, if you're using the keyboard and you use the Messages app, because it's just short text... It's so much simpler. It's, I'll, I'll yes. tell you, it's a million times easier than trying to use the Messages app with VoiceOver on the Mac itself. I mean, yes, it's fine and you can use it, but it's a lot of interaction going on, a lot of moving around to get to the different... It's very similar, actually, to the way WhatsApp works on the PC. You've got a lot of tabbing around the screen to get to where you're trying to get to. Although you did find this year, you did find yes. the NVDA add-on, didn't you, for oh. WhatsApp? I did. I did. We, we I meant briefly, to ask you about this a couple of weeks back. Yeah, we mentioned it on the show a while back, and um, I I couldn't find it on the NVDA plugins page. You know, I couldn't find it there. So I just Google searched it. It may be there by now. I don't know. So I just Google searched for WhatsApp NVDA add-on, and I found it. So I downloaded it, and I installed it. Ah, oh, I mean, it's it's amazing. It is so good. You can just do Control R to start an audio recording, Control R to send it, mm. Control Shift R to cancel it. You can do Alt Left Arrow and it will jump between the messages list or where you know type a message. So you can quickly read a message and then jump back to respond to it. Uh, Alt Right Arrow takes you to the chats list, so you can you know quickly jump between conversations. Ah, oh, it is fantastic. I'm loving it. You know the thing about NVDA for me is it's one of those screen readers that I've always kind of wished I'd get into first because honestly I think I'd get on better with it. I mean it's a great there's a lot of great things I love about it. I love that progress bar noise 
the whole thing as it's going along. I just love that because it's such a brilliant audio representation of what's going on on the screen. Nothing else does that. I've got to say, that's the thing I missed most when I did switch over to Jules because yeah. I do have Jules installed on this. And yeah, that progress bar, it's surprising how much you miss it. That that pouring of a bottle of wine. It's just, it's it's so useful. That's that is that's the future, I tell you. That is the future. And, you know, the NVD add-ons. You know, I think the thing about that is it's a little bit more, how can I put this, more consumer-friendly. You know, I feel with JAWS, everything's very work focused you know if you look at some of these applications that add extra functionality you, you get some I know some people out there will sell scripts and stuff it's all very corporate feeling you know it's all a bit like you feel that you i don't know it just doesn't have that kind of human individual feel about it it's just very corporate and i i, I don't like it for that reason i think i just don't know i feel like i'm buying something you know it's like oh well this is for teams no, you're down like, with the common people is that I what am. you're saying I'm, I'm a commoner i'm just a guy i just want to use this thing and i kind of like the 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 swiftness that comes with it because with Oof. NVDA you know you've got this now where people can just create that add-on and just make it available. Yeah, I I think actually there's a lot of um, comparison between the iPhone and an Android phone, right? Jules is very it's very polished, right? And I think it is more user friendly. Take Tandem for example, it works really yeah. well. Whereas with NVDA, it's there is a lot of customization you can do there, which you can also do in Jules, but you do need to work a little bit harder. I would argue that adding and installing an add-on probably isn't as easy as just, you know, turning on split sound, for example, in Jules, which is built in. So there is a little bit more work, I think, that needs well, to be installed, isn't it? I mean, it's an install of an application. Well, it is. You've got to download it. You've got to install it. I mean, it's not a huge amount of work, but still, you know, it's 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 harder than just it's already built into the software and you just find it in the menu yeah i mean voiceover is getting and this is the other thing and today we're going to talk about apple we're going to talk about you know what how their year has been yeah and you know i'll start off by saying this i think with apple this year one of the biggest things to happen and there's not i have to be honest i'm not that excited about the hardware this year i I don't think there's been a huge amount of exciting hardware to come out um it's actually surprising because when you think back to the beginning of the year we saw the launch of the latest iPhone SE, which I guess you forgot about. I forgot about in my mm-hmm. research for this. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. The iPhone SE came out. It was also the 15th anniversary of the iPhone this year. Wow. Um, which, you know, is kind years. of interesting. Yeah, I know. Wow. Um, but, you know, looking at the, the, the hardware side of things, I mean, if we could start there, you know, iPhone 14 came out, iPhone 14 Pro. It wasn't a huge difference. I mean, if you were on the 13 lineup, Really, I don't know. I mean, the only thing that came out was... Identical. Well, it was. I mean, the only difference really was they dumped the iPhone mini and they replaced it with the iPhone big or whatever they... What do they call it? <laughs> Just the iPhone? iPhone. No, there's a bigger one. There's a, oh, it's a plus. Is it plus? There's the plus and the... Isn't there the Pro Max? And there's the... Well, there's, so there's the iPhone 14. Plus there's the I've iPhone been... 14 Plus. Or I think... Is that the name of it? And then there's the iPhone 14 <laughs> Pro and then the iPhone 14 Pro Max. Wow. Oh, right. Yes. Remember? Oh. I wish they would keep this some sort of consistency because, you know what, the Mini and the iPhone, blah, whatever the number may be, and then the Pro and the Pro Max, that made sense to me. It made total Mm. sense. Uh, uh, I was sorry to see no Mini. I'll be honest, I, I, I do like the Mini. The, the iPhone 12 Mini I'm using here reminds me so much of the iPhone 4S, which I think a lot of us, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of us jumped on with the iPhone 4S to the iPhone, uh, you know, bandwagon. Yeah. And it's got a lot of fond memories. I think it was a really nice phone. And I think the minis sort of replicate that. I, I did like them. Although the battery life is terrible on the minis. Yeah, yeah. But I will say, though, I think that um, 2023, if there's if there's a new iPhone SE, and I don't know if there will be next year, it may well be 24 before the next one comes out. But if there is, there's talk of it being, there was rumours this year of it being the iPhone XR design. So it's going to get a little bit closer to what we had and you know that probably means the touch id will become the button at the top right hand side like it has on the ipads and um other device well yeah on the ipads mainly with that touch id button uh we saw the new ipad this year the new budget ipad which i got hold of and it's a nice little device i mean it's nice you can put a keyboard on it you know it's kind of cool i just feel that the issue for me is always that the ipad is just not that friendly for voiceover i think if you're a voiceover user it's just way too much real estate. Um, I'm not, I mean, and that's my opinion. Extra I know navigation. Some love it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's right. I, honestly, I just if if you're not relying on the screen, if you're not you know low vision where a bigger screen can actually help, I, I honestly don't see a difference between an iPhone and an iPad from a, a user point of view. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I'd rather stick with the iPhone. I think. Let's um, let's remind ourselves of one of the key features of the iPhone 14 Pro when it came out. At least this was one of the things that they were selling uh, to all of us as a reason to buy this. And it only came out, it only became available in the last few weeks. We designed and built custom components and specific software so that iPhone 14 antennas can connect to a satellite's unique frequencies. That connection is only possible when the phone is pointing directly at a satellite. However, satellites fly too high to be seen by the human eye. So we created a unique user experience that shows you where to point your phone to establish a connection and stay connected as the satellite moves. This way, no bulky antenna is needed. Once connected, you need to send and receive enough information to get emergency help. Standard messaging protocols are not designed for satellites' limited bandwidth, so we created a custom short text compression algorithm to reduce the average size of messages by a factor of three. A message is sent. Thanks to this algorithm, it can take less than 15 seconds to send a message if you have a clear view of the sky. In other conditions, such as light foliage, it may take a few minutes. And since each message can take some time, we knew a standard back and forth conversation would take far too long for an emergency situation. We worked with emergency experts to surface the questions they're most likely to ask, and we provided the most common responses for you to choose from with just a few taps. With fewer messages to write and send, you can get help quicker. After your message is relayed to a ground station, it needs to reach the right emergency service provider. If that emergency service provider accepts text messages, we will connect you to them directly. If they only accept voice calls, we have set up relay centers, staffed with highly trained emergency specialists ready to get your text and call an emergency service provider on your behalf. So that was one of the big features of the new iPhone 14 Pro. That was, of course, the emergency SOS satellite feature. Uh, which I must admit, you know, sounds great in theory if you're, you know, out there in the desert and you're lost. That's great. I mean, how many blind people are going to be in that position? I don't know. Um, well, now we've got the all-terrain cane. Who knows? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> With the all-terrain cane, I could be out there. I've got my Apple Watch Ultra on. Putting myself in danger. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Equality on all things. Um, but, of course... Speaking of which, you know, the Apple Watch Ultra came out this year as well, right? And another, and I think a lot of people are saying that's the device of the year. If there's any device that is the one people will talk about this year, that is it. Because it was a new design for the Apple Watch. It certainly offered something a bit different. Let's uh, hear about one of its, uh, well, a couple of its different features, actually. Every detail has been engineered to create the most rugged and capable Apple Watch ever. It starts with a case made from aerospace-grade titanium that strikes the perfect balance of weight, durability, and corrosion resistance. The titanium case extends up to surround the flat sapphire front crystal, protecting it from edge impacts that can occur during extreme activities. And at the center of the 49-millimeter case is our biggest, brightest display ever in Apple Watch, making it easier to read in the harshest sunlight. We also added a new button, the action button, in high contrast international orange. It's customizable and gives users quick physical control for a range of functions. The digital crown has a larger diameter and coarser grooves, and the side button stands proud of the case, both designed to be used while wearing gloves. And the audio system excels when you're out in the elements. We added a second speaker for increased volume. Three strategically placed microphones and advanced software help ensure voice clarity on calls, even in windy conditions. And for maximum connectivity and communication, cellular is built into every Apple Watch Ultra. So there are a few takeaways from that, Sean. I mean, the, the big one that got us was the side button, which was customizable. You could use that for whatever you wanted to. You had the second speaker, and you had those three microphones, which meant that you had better arguably better call quality. But of course, for us, that could be useful for recording for our show or recording notes or, you know, sending yeah. a message, that kind of thing. Oh, it sounds amazing. Mind you, I thought the, you know, the, the standard, 
put that in air quotes, the standard Apple Watch also sounds amazing. But with the three microphones and the beam forming and the speakers, yeah, absolutely. But for me, the the ultra, the big thing was the battery life. Yes. I mean, I understand it's a you know, physically a bigger device, but the amount of battery life they're squeezing out of that thing is, quite frankly, amazing. And that's the biggest leap we need for smartwatches, and that's battery life. Absolutely incredible. And I do love the action button as well. Mm. It'd, it'd be great to see what, what apps come out which make use of that. Yeah, 36 hours battery life, and the update which they promised that has not yet materialised will take that up to 60 hours in low-power mode. Yeah, that's amazing. 60 hours. And that's that's usable. That, this is the other thing, because low power mode in the Apple Watch used to mean that basically for a top back, for a top back, how dare I slap myself in the face, <laughs> for a voiceover user, that meant it was redundant. You couldn't really use the watch at all because it wouldn't speak. It would just basically bring up a clock on the screen. And that was your that's low right. power mode. Yeah. That's changed. So now you can use the device even in, in, and get more out of it for up to 60 hours. Yeah, and that, that's huge news for me. The biggest problem I have with my Apple Watch is forgetting to charge it. If I go to exactly. sleep with it on and forget to put it on the charger, then it's, ah. Uh. But saying that, you know, you jump in the shower and put it on charge. It's usually done by the time you get out. It, it, it charges so quickly. So, yeah, I do, I do like the Apple Watch. Again, not entirely sure why, but I do love it. Well, it wasn't a great year for Apple Watch. I mean, yet another app went away. Microsoft discontinued the... Authenticator. Authenticator. Yeah. Only on the Apple Watch. The iPhone and the Android app will continue. So you don't have to worry about that. But a lot of people did find it actually quite cool to have it on the watch and just be able to authenticate really simply. Um, Microsoft yeah. says it's because of the hardware inside the watch, or at least the security features in the watch, which seems a bit weird to me. But I don't quite understand that. Maybe Authenticator wants to, you know, more access to system resources than Apple will allow. I, I, I don't entirely know. I thought Apple Apple system security is second to none. So mm. I'm not entirely sure what the problem is there, but it's not it's not a great loss, I don't think. An authenticator on the Apple Watch. How many people actually used that? I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. But actually, you know, let's not forget as well, Microsoft ended Soundscape support this year as well, which was kind of a, a rather unnerving for a lot of us. Maybe that's more relevant to us than the authenticator being taken away. But anyway, let's move on because I want to talk about Apple accessibility features that came out this year. And uh, I got the chance to sit down with Shelley Brisbane, of course, broadcaster, podcaster and author of the iOS Access for All book series. She's a fantastic person. I'm always pleased to have her on the show. And she joined us to talk about a number of the features, starting off with uh, the perhaps yep. the biggest one of the year, door detection. I also like the part of it where it will identify text that is on or near the door because my situation is often room numbers or signs or things like that. Nice. So if I'm inside, I do pretty well with doors. But if I'm outside, I don't. And if I'm inside... I'm usually uh, walking up an inch from the uh, the room sign to see what it says. And so potentially, assuming that I have a LiDAR-capable device, which is what you need, mm -hmm. uh, then I can identify those doors. It does sound pretty good. Um, the idea is that, and this all comes through the magnifier app, which mm -hmm. will be where we'll find it. So and that was the same with people detection, wasn't it? Yes. It was in the yeah, it's in the magnifier app. There, in fact, the, the way that worked is that you, the magnifier app looked a certain way. And then if you had the phone with the LiDAR, there's a little button for people detection. So you could uh, point your phone with magnifier enabled at uh, where you thought a person might be. And it would give you the approximate distance of t to yeah. that person. And which so I assume door detection will work pretty much the same way. It'll say there's a door. My guess is that the way they would do the text thing is that live text is, you know, enabled in there and it, it'll, you know, read the text oh, to you. I see. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's bringing that feature in as well, which again is a really cool feature. Yep. Uh, the other thing that's come out from this as well, in addition to this, is Apple Maps will offer sound and haptics feedback for voiceover users to identify the starting point for walking directions. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it uh, reminds me a little bit of, um, I guess, well, there's there's been the haptic thing where you could follow for a long time in maps, and that seems to work less well than it used to. You know what I'm talking about? Where you, yeah. if you put your finger on the, the where a road is, uh, the haptic will guide you, and so you can sort of tell the shape of the road. Is it, you know, east-west, north-south? Is it diagonal, whatever? And um, that seemed to work, for me anyway, less well in iOS 15 than uh, in previous versions. So I don't know. Um, and, but this is cool. And it, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, something like what Microsoft Soundscape does, where it uh, helps you sort of orient yourself in sound space. And I don't know if Apple's in Maps is going to be as sophisticated as that. But 
Uh, I, I do like the idea. I, I think it's great because walking directions is something that's could be better in maps. Yeah, you know? I agree. I think it could be a lot better. And actually, funnily enough, for me, that is one of the challenges is, is not the, the journey itself, but the starting point. Mm-hmm. Just getting, I mean, just to know where I'm heading, because yeah. I often find what I do is I start walking and inevitably it's always, it's like when, you know, the, the toast falls from your hand covered in butter and it always falls butter side butter down. Butter side down, yep. Um, it's the same thing. I always end up walking the wrong way first and I have to turn around and walk back. And I don't, I don't care what I look like in that situation. It's just irritating. I think, sure. come on, you could just tell me to walk Could we just start out or, confidently and go yeah. in the direction we want to go? <laughs> it's fine for me because I have a cane, but, you know, my wife's got a guide dog and, you know, that would be, you know, it's, it's just a hassle. You've got to stop and you've got to turn around, you've got to do the whole thing. The dog is like, what are we doing? I, yeah, do you exactly. even no, have any idea where you're going? no idea. Exactly. Um, <laughs> VoiceOver's getting some updates as well. 20 additional locales and languages, including, and I must say this is kind of, I mean, it's timely and it's not, I guess, relevant to anything other than just because of the fact it's included, Ukraine. So Ukrainian uh, language is going to be in there, which is uh, pretty cool. I mean, you would think a lot of this was covered already, wouldn't you? You would. Yeah, I I forget how many languages. It seems like initially it was something like 20 languages, which makes me wonder, wait, how many has it increased to previously and how many are we at now? I haven't looked that up yet. But yeah, you would think those would have been in there for some time. Uh, there's also going to be new voices optimized for assistive features. Now, I did get the chance to ask Apple directly about this, what that means. Uh, and it will be new voices that will be able to operate at a higher speeds. But And also it should be said that the voices or the languages um, and the voices and the locales will be available for speak selection and speak screen for those who use that as well. Well, that makes sense. And because, I mean, the interface is, there, there's a separate interface where you can invoke the voices for speak selection or speak screen, but it's all going back to the same place, right? So so it only it only makes sense. And it would be, yeah, it'd be very unpleasant if for some reason you couldn't use those voices with speak screen, which I use all the time. Uh, now, there are tons of other accessibility features that I want to get to, but um, just, just one that really stands out a little bit. And I don't know about you, I sometimes have hassle with this. I don't know if it's just it's my brain sometimes more than anything else, but this is a, a feature they're bringing in, which is uh, you can now adjust how long Siri waits before responding mm-hmm. to a request with Siri pause time. This is the feature name that's coming in. Uh, I think this is actually brilliant because, you know, I find this, I wish Lady A, as I call her, mm-hmm. had this as well, because sometimes by the time I've formed my thought and said it, She's gone. And I'd kind of like her to just wait a little bit. And it's the same with Siri. I like, I love the idea of just being able to pause it a little bit or just give it a bit more time for me to, to say what I need to say. Yeah, and I think that's going to be especially helpful for folks who have uh, speech difficulties or Absolutely. who maybe have cognitive situations where they're not able to uh, vocalize as, as quickly. And I, yeah, I don't know whether... That's going to be something I'm going to rely on. I'm certainly going to experiment with it, but it's a it's a good option to have. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of other stuff as well, right? I mean, there's um, lots of stuff around the Apple Watch. Oh yeah, that's a really interesting one. The mirroring thing, I love yeah. that. So, so explain the, that. So what's, what's the idea that is that your Apple Watch screen can essentially airplay your Apple Watch screen to your iPhone. And what's great about that is that the Apple Watch screen, there's a lot going on on that tiny little screen. As a low vision person, I often use my Apple Watch very minimally because I can't see all the little things that are going on on my screen. And I don't, for example, compose text messages or even read them on screen. I can tell that I have a message and I can tell who it's from, but I almost always go to my phone, even though I can zoom on the watch, it's just unwieldy and the screen is too small. Yeah. But I can see plenty of situations where I would want to send that screen to the phone. Um, and I, it's just a flexibility thing. Like you you or somebody else may say, well, why would you ever do that? Why even have an Apple Watch if you're going to do that? But just the idea that I can do that, and it gives me the flexibility to decide, well, do I want an Apple Watch? How many complications can I put on my watch? There's a complication I like. It's a weather one where the weather is expressed, the, the temperature is expressed inside a little picture of a cloud, and it's so tiny I can't see it. Mm. I love the idea of just having that on my phone. Well, that's right. And, and, you know, again, this is a feature that is being brought in essentially for those who use voice control, switch control Mm -hmm. as well. And I'm imagining this is for someone who cannot physically look at their watch. Right, right. And they, yeah, and and that that actually is interesting because it seems like it would provide somebody an ability to wear their watch in any way or on any limb that they wanted to, you know, mm. whether, whether it was that they couldn't look at it if it's on their wrist or whether it's just, Hey, I want the watch around me. I want it near me, but yeah. uh, because I like the features it has, but I want to use my phone as the main interface. 
And, you know, it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people would think, well, hang on, if, if you are in that position, why would you even bother with a watch? But the truth is it can measure your heart rate. Mm -hmm. It can measure your uh, blood oxygen levels. These are reasons why you would want and, to wear and it. And work out there. I mean, they're wheelchair workouts. They're, exactly. They're all sorts of yeah. things that the watch is optimized for that the you see, phone I always forget really about the fitness because I don't do fitness. I, Same. I, I well, I'm, I'm kind of with you there, Stephen. We're just <laughs> confessing to the people out there that not all of us... I, I do love the Apple Watch uh, uh, presentations at uh, WWDC where all these incredibly fit people talk about the other incredibly fit people who use the watch and say, God love you. I'm glad you're that way. I They're am not. I'm sad to say. marching up mountains and jumping on and off bikes and I'm like, yeah, right. you're, you're on your own in that one. Right. You maybe do that in California. I don't do that in Scotland, trust me. It's too wet. <laughs> You would fall off your bike the first time you got on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much cool stuff. And, and in addition to, and this is great, we, we remember, was it last year that assistive gestures were brought, hand gestures were brought in to control to the, the Apple watch. watch? Yeah. And there's now more gestures as well. Like, for example, a double pinch gesture. I'm assuming that's two fingers. I guess so. Um, so finger, maybe index. Well, I guess it, maybe, maybe you pinch twice quickly because a pinch would be two fingers by definition. So. I don't know how that would work. That, that right, actually okay. seems like that would be a challenge for somebody with certain physical disabilities, but I guess it's intended for somebody who who can do it. The idea that I have to manipulate something on the watch yeah. seems unwieldy for me, but that's it does not, for me too. Yeah, that's I, not I, the situation have, I'm in. So I have the unfortunate reality of an essential tremor. As I mm -hmm. tell people, it's not essential to me, but it seems right, to think but it's, it is. It, but it, it, it won't leave you alone. <laughs> it won't leave me alone. So these gestures, as much as I love them, they don't really benefit me, but that doesn't mean they won't benefit many others. And right. um, I mean, the double pinch one will now or will be able to answer or end a phone call, dismiss notifications, even take a picture, which is kind of cool. Yep. Um, play or pause media. Uh, so it's a bit like a double tap. Sort of a not? magic tap or a double yeah, tap. Magic yeah, magic tap, yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool. And again, it's just this, this assistive touch feature they've built in, um, which is just brilliant. You know, when you think about it, the, the capability of this is just amazing. Uh, the other big story, of course, for uh, deaf and hard of hearing users is uh, live captioning coming to iPhone, iPad, and Mac. This is kind of playing a little bit of catch up on some other services. Microsoft, Google have already been building in a lot of this. Um, we're seeing it now on the Mac, but it always feels like Apple just goes that little step further. So like you can actually be on a FaceTime call or on a phone call uh, or using any kind of video conferencing or social media app and have a conversation with someone and have that, you know, that come up in text, which is amazing. And you can adjust font size as well for ease of reading. I mean, that's just brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. And I think the two things that I thought were, first of all, Google gets a lot of grief for how it's implemented on YouTube. And it's not, not particularly good. Some people call them craptions. They don't really like them. And I, I know people who are hard of hearing or deaf and who uh, have issues with auto-generated captions so i'll be yeah. curious to see the quality um and knowing apple i have high expectations i mean uh the other thing i read a TechCrunch story today where they were uh, talking about the potential that this live caption thing was going to sherlock some other uh, app third-party apps that do this sort of thing uh, and i haven't really thought about that great just like i didn't i don't know that because I, mean, I know that things like zoom and skype and Google's apps have their own captioning. So I guess you could theoretically choose. You could just say, hey, I'd like to, you know, use Apple's version or I'd like to use what's built in. I don't know that there's software out there that is only designed to do live captioning outside of something else that this is going to affect too much. Uh, but what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, I can't remember. In any case, it's it's cool. And I, I, uh, I, I'm really curious to see how people who use this feature Find it works. So that's Shelley Brisbane, of course. Uh, she is broadcaster, podcaster, journalist, all-round Apple knowledge brain. She's also the author of the fantastic uh, iOS Access for All series. So, yeah, definitely the person to go to for Apple knowledge. And, uh, yeah, her latest book will be out. If it's not out. I think it will be out by now, actually. So, yeah. Go check that out, iOS Access for All. She does one for every new iOS version, and it goes through every single feature. Amazing. Especially the ones that are relevant to us as, as blind and partially sighted people, so brilliant. Uh, listen, stick around, more to come. We're going to be talking more about uh, Apple. I'm going to tell you what I think is the top accessibility feature from Apple this year. Stick around for that, and we'll talk Amazon and Samsung next. Stay tuned as we continue to review the big accessible tech stories of 2022 next. 
You're listening to Double Tap 7 Days of 2022, the big accessible tech news review. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Double Taps, seven days of 2022. Today, it is all about the tech giants, part two. Yes, yesterday we talked all about Microsoft and we talked all about Google. Funnily enough, one product we didn't pick up on was the Google Watch, the Pixel Watch that was launched. And I have to tell you, because, you know, it occurred to me today, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, we haven't picked up on it. It was deliberate. I didn't mention it deliberately. Oh, Why? Well, my my granny used to say, if you've nothing nice to say about something, <laughs> don't say anything at all. And uh, I don't. It's not that I don't have anything nice to say. I don't really have anything to say. I haven't been hands on with this device at all this year. And the people who I would go to to get viewpoints on this haven't fed me back with anything that is suggesting I should be excited. Oh, so I'm okay. And and I'll be honest, I'm kind of. I suppose with this, and this isn't a downer on the Pixel Watch, or even Android Wear or Wear OS or whatever they're calling Sounds it this like week. It. I, I, if I'm honest, it's more about Apple or any watch in general. Because with my Apple Watch, is, and it's got all the accessibility in it, I don't really know what I'd do with it. Other than tell the time, other than read notifications. Hmm. Uh, maybe take messages or t- you know, take notes on, on voice memos or use Just Press Record or whatever, but that's kind of it. I don't do a lot with it. And it's funny because I've got the Apple Watch Ultra and, you know, a couple yes, of, about a week, well, maybe two <laughs> weeks ago, it was snowing here and it was actually quite nice because I felt like I was an actual explorer, you know, yes. exploring my garden. Of and, course. Uh, <laughs> the wilds of your garden. The wilds of my garden. You know, I've got artificial grass, so it doesn't even grow. I can't even use that as an excuse. You know, I wasn't even in the weeds. It was, there was nothing there. I'm just, just I've, I found a chair. I found a chair. <laughs> it's mine. It's I my chair. This chair. God damn it! I'm going to sit on it. And um, yeah, <laughs> that was snow. in the snow with my jacket. I had my big jacket on. You know, I didn't have my altering cane, but okay, fine. Ah, and, well you done, know, you. You're a hero. And you know, I had my my Apple Watch Ultron, and I felt like I was out in the wilds. And and I still, all I did was check the time. No, there's, so, there's still no killer use case for any smartwatch. I exactly. don't think. Like I said before, I, I I really like mine. I just I'm not entirely sure why is that. I'm still waiting for that killer app. So here's my here's my thing. I have been listening a lot and reading a lot about accessibility at Apple this year, and there have been a lot of great things coming out. And you know, we talked about them with Shelley, but there's one feature which I think stands out above them all. Oh well, and I have to maybe say this is for blind people, right? Because this is just for us, this one. But voiceover, it seems, and I don't really understand how, but it seems that they're now able to accept third-party plugins into voiceover. And that means that lots of cool new little apps are being developed all the time. And this year, for example, one of them that came up was VOCR. We talked about it earlier in the year, where VOCR enabled us to essentially, you know, install the Windows software, the Parallels you know, application that allows you to put Windows on to a Mac with M1 because obviously you have to do it as a virtual machine. You can't do it as a as a bootcamp anymore in an M1 or an M series Mac. But um, I thought that was really interesting because that application allows you to read the screen. It essentially allows you to scan the screen uh, and you know get the information if the screen is not readable by Voiceover. And that was such a powerful little tool that came out, and that was open source software created by the community and because of whatever Apple has done in the background with voiceover, enabling that to me has opened the door to what we started talking about today with NVDA, which are those add-ons. You know, we're actually now able to get voiceover add-ons. I know. It's amazing, right? And I think the key point from this is, like you said, from the community. This isn't something Apple's created and, you know, given to the community. This is created by us so not us but yeah. clever people in the community and yeah i mean it, it's such a, a cool utility as well i mean you know it makes using parallels and installing that virtual machine possible when before it was totally inaccessible and the, the way they've gone about it absolutely amazing yeah i totally agree i forgot all about that but it's, it's a it's a great thing and I, honestly i don't know how they've done it or how they got the documentation to do it but the fact of the matter is they've created something that's really cool and i don't think it's been done before 
No, I've never seen this before. I mean, Apple was always known just generally as a company that you wouldn't be able to add things on to. And, you know, it's interesting because this year, you know, just again at the tail end of the year, we had the news that Apple are going to be potentially, and there's no guarantee of this, but they are potentially going to be allowing third-party app stores onto the Apple platform. Oh. And this is down to legislation coming in from the European Union. It's kind of forcing the hand of Apple to do this. Anti-competition rules are saying that, you know, frankly, Apple should not be dominating in this way. I would imagine that means that I, 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 certainly Google's Play Store might be available on there. I mean, how that works is beyond me, but okay. <laughs> so I mean, strange. Bizarre. And, you know, in, in theory, sounds like a great idea, but I just still remember the browser choice pop-ups that we used to have to deal with on Windows because, hey, otherwise Internet Explorer is a monopoly, right? So you had to choose when you... Oh, it was just such a pain. It's like, we know there's other options. It's fine. It's almost like the cookie pop-ups now you get on every single website in the European Union. Um, you've got to agree for every website you go on. It's an absolute nightmare. Sometimes it's more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I just I can't really imagine how that's going to work. And, and also, you know, are Google going to be made to do the same? Because it would seem a bit unfair if, and I'm not saying unfair, but, you know, it would seem a bit weird if, if Apple were doing it and they had to, you know, essentially bring on all these different app stores just to appease the European Union. And then Google just are able to continue with just the the Play Store. But then does that mean then Apple has to allow people to download from the... And how... Uh, it says I'm I know, no, It doesn't it, make it, sense. It is. I mean, and if, you, if you're saying, okay, whatever, anyone can have their own app store on iOS, and basically you're allowing any app to be installed without Apple checking it or, you know, giving yep. it the okay. So, I mean, how does that pass with Apple's security limitations and things like that? It, it, it's, it's a minefield. Actually, I'm not entirely sure how they could ever get that to work. And, and it, can you... Can you imagine? So does that kill Google then? Because, or at least kill Google's phones or Android phones at least? Because, well, what's the point? You can just buy an iPhone. And it's a bit like the it's a bit like the PC thing, right? So, I mean, it's not as big a deal and, and it would never become a thing, I don't think. But you could make the argument that, you know, if you were buying a PC or a Mac today, and let's say you're not visually impaired, and let's say, you know, you just use a computer like regular, Right. If that was the case, you could go out and say, well, I could buy a PC, but then I could also just buy a Mac and put Windows on it. So then I'd have both. That's and true. Th yes. And then, okay, that's, I would say, more niche than this. But if, if I could say, well, I could have an Android phone and an iPhone in one, well, I'll just go for that because at least then I've got the option. You know, I can switch between them. And the hardened fans of Android will always stick to it, but they're a, small, they're a smaller band of people. So... You know, whatever. And then that's that's the end of the road for Android. I, I just that's a really weird situation. I don't it get is. it. I don't, yeah, I don't no, understand I don't that. as well. Um, you know, it was a year, I'll be honest, where we were starting to get a little bit nervous because, and I said this yesterday, you know, th things have certainly become a little bit more shaky, more shaky ground than we've been on in a long time. And, of course, some of the, the tech companies have been doing their bit to um, to, to deal with, the with this crisis that we're in in this world right now, the macroeconomic crisis as they call it oh um i don't know what that means it sounds like something you put in a microwave but um <laughs> i'll have some of that macroeconomic if you don't mind just stick it That'll in two minutes yeah just stick some melted cheese on top yeah lovely. Don't that on the top it'll be absolutely mwah. but um yeah basically calamity uh in the economy and you know the companies are trying to to keep things going but you know what's what has been clear is that you know companies are having to make changes, and we will talk more about this and as the week goes on about Twitter and of course the big changes made there, which were kind of seen more about Elon Musk than the bigger economic problems. You know, people were kind of putting mm -hmm. that down more to him, um, and we'll talk about that. But I want to start with Amazon today because Amazon have said they're going to be letting go around ten thousand staff which is an incredible number of people. And, you know, this is because they are in some kind of black hole of like, you know, is it five or six billion dollars? The number keeps shifting around depending on which yes. department you're talking about. 10 billion overall. 10 right? billion overall. Yeah. And that means, uh, or, or, or sorry, of that 10 billion, five or I think it was three or five billion of that is actually directly uh, attributable to Lady A. Lady A is a, an expensive lady. 
Yeah, she is. She has uh, expensive taste. <laughs> and um, she, uh, she, <laughs> but the devices um, and the service has certainly been costing Amazon a lot of money. It seems they've been putting the devices out there for quite cheap and they haven't had the return on it in terms of service and delivery. So, for example, we would expect that, or they would expect that people would buy through Lady A uh, as opposed to using uh, an app or whatever else, they would actually use it to purchase. But that didn't happen. I still don't really understand how that makes them money versus them just buying through the app. I mean, does it really matter how I buy? But maybe it does. I don't know. But you No, know. I don't think so. You're right. I, I think it was just meant to be a more accessible way of shopping. Just simply shout out, hey, I need toilet roll. I need, you know, washing up liquid or whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, a lot of people were concerned about this, especially because the news came out that there was talk that, you know, Lady A, I think the, the headlines of it's going away were a little extreme. I don't think anyone's suggesting that it's going away. But there is definitely a concern that, you know, any kind of future development might be halted. There may not be much more in terms of development done. It will certainly keep going as is and it will certainly be available to people and usable. It's not like all these devices we've bought will suddenly become useless. It will continue to operate in the way it currently does. But just that future, big future developments may be curtailed until this is all brought under control. And we get we got a lot of comment on this. And I wanted to pick up on two particular comments from our audience on the news that you know Amazon would be potentially scaling back on development of Lady A. I think what part of the problem is, I don't think as much effort has been done to enhance the use of double A, I mean, Lady A, and make it more viable. Here's what I'm talking about. We all know how lacking Siri can be. How about talking with Apple and licensing the Lady A technology for Siri to make it more usable? I don't see Lady A going anywhere. They're still adding new features. Like all the voices you can get now, simply by saying change your voice. In the meantime, I'm trying to use her mindfully, enjoying every moment with her, and trying not to fret too much about what Amazon might do. What gives me hope is that they might not that they might not shut her down completely is the fact that they're still adding new features, like all the voices you can get now simply by saying change your voice. In the meantime, I'm trying to use her mindfully, enjoying every moment with her and trying not to fret too much about what Amazon might do. And, you know, it's just really interesting to hear Eleanor talk like that. That was Eleanor and Stan before that talking, but just really interesting to hear their take because, you know, it shows that these devices have real impact, especially on our community, right? Oh, no, absolutely. It's the most affordable and most accessible gadget ever. I don't think that's an exaggeration no. at all. I mean, the, the, the sheer, by the nature of the interface, it's it's incredibly accessible to us. And for some people, like Eleanor, it may be the only, you know, the, the device that you have. Not everyone wants a, a touchscreen smartphone. Uh, not everyone can afford a, a smartphone or a laptop or a computer or whatever it may be. And it could be that a, a smart speaker that does everything they need it to do. Uh, you know, it, can, uh, it offers entertainment, audio books, music, games, everything. It answers questions, c- uh, communication. There's so much it can offer. And a lot of people are connected to it. I mean, emotionally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I rely on mine a lot. I would, And to see it go would be uh, yeah, terrible, absolutely terrible. But like I said, I don't think for one minute it's going anywhere. But, you know, I think it feeds into the fear, doesn't it? Because we're seeing so many changes at tech companies. We've seen accessibility in Twitter's case this year just, just literally flung out. Yes. And, you know, that happens. And then we see, we hear the news of Microsoft Soundscape going away. We hear that, you know, other projects that may be, you know, either being shelved or and not necessarily accessibility projects, but just other projects generally around tech being shelved. It does start to get a little bit like, hmm, how... How safe are we? And I remember years ago, I said this on the show through the year, 
I remember probably 10 years ago on one of my many rants on air on some radio station somewhere, maybe even here, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I remember saying somewhere 10 years ago, roughly, you know, my fear is that one day it will all just go away. And I remember we used to, because it came out of the conversation, I was getting a lot of um, a lot of criticism because I was praising tech companies for what they were doing at the time. Microsoft, I think at the time it was around Narrator and probably around the time when we saw big changes to Narrator that made it actually viable again. Yes. And I remember saying at the time that I felt this was great and we need to really promote and push these companies and say, well done, you know, call this out. You know, let's not, we're always so critical. And maybe we need to actually stand up and say, actually, guys, well done. You know, this is good. This is, and, and I get pillared for that. And I still Why? say it, it's still important to do it because it, it could go away. And we've seen this year that it could, that it could happen. That, you know, when, when backs are to the wall in companies, no matter where they are, no matter what they are, they're going to look at all these different departments and accessibility might just not seem like the one they want to let, you know, to, to let stay. Yeah, business is a business at the end of the yes. day, no matter what their you know, mission statement or ethos may be. It's, Another example. It is a biz business. Another example this year, Microsoft announced, well, it wasn't it wasn't an announcement, but it was said by someone who worked, worked at, my, at Microsoft, that the Xbox adaptive controller was nearly shelved. Yes. Yep. Karthik Karnan on this show, and we're going to have an interview this week because we'll be looking back at the interviews this, this year, and Karthik Karnan from Envision talked on this show about the fact that the Envision project was almost thrown out. It was a case of, well, this is not making money, it's not doing anything for us, it's nearly out, it, it, and we may as well just get rid of it and, and just forget it. Yeah. And look at the difference that product is making. Now, well, there's a lot of questions around there, right? We, we, we just can't be... It shows how easy it is to slip into complacency and just yeah. expect it to be done. The truth of the matter is that... Yeah, even though sometimes it feels like it's a step too much or maybe it's a little bit too militant by some organizations, mm. it's legislation that matters. That's what we need to do. We need to get these things in law. We need to get our rights you know, codified or whatever it is, ratified, I don't know. We need to get it in law, in writing, so everyone knows these are at least the baseline of what we can expect when it comes to accessibility. Until then, we're just basically you know hoping on people's good intentions and they can as you say as soon as it comes down to profit line they can disappear quickly you know what you've just said there is perhaps especially this year and at this point in this year is possibly the most important thing you can say because you're absolutely right the legislation is the key you know yeah. i used to talk about it around audio description and how i'd seen that impact of you know going from a, you know, frankly, no audio description to suddenly loads of it because the law yes. changed and it had to be there. You would think, you would like to hope that you wouldn't need legislation in order for people to do the right thing. But yes. you do. You do. You actually do. And, you know, Microsoft is a company that does promote the whole do the right thing. And, you know, and I get it. And it's great when they do it. But not everyone's going to follow that, that approach. Not everyone's going to understand how to follow that approach. You know, developers don't always know, and even to this day will not understand how accessibility fits into the whole thing, what yes. it means when, you, when we say a website's inaccessible. Because, you know, I, I often, I mean, we don't, it's funny, on the show, I, I tend to avoid that phrase. I tend to, I don't like saying this isn't accessible and then just full stopping it because it's like, well, what does that mean? Yes. Yeah. To who? Exactly. I mean, you know, if, I remember when I started out, I, I had a friend who um, used to tell me all the time that he could not get online. He just couldn't. And any time you'd say to him, could you do this for me? Could you check this out on this website? He couldn't do it. He just kept saying it's inaccessible. And I used to think, God, the, the web must be so inaccessible to someone with a screen reader. Yes. And then I learned how to use a screen reader. And what <laughs> I learned was that person didn't know how to use a screen reader. <laughs> or frankly, couldn't care less, and just thought. Just using it as an excuse. I God can bless just him. get out of this. Yeah, I don't need. Yeah, I can't it's do that. I'm blind, can't do it. you know. Yeah, <laughs> and you know there are some people, and and I don't know whether that was it. I don't know which one it was. I don't know if it was just that it was an inaccessible thing, uh, you know, as in he couldn't figure it out because he couldn't use the system, or he just couldn't be bothered. I don't know which one it was. Yes, but the point is that it is on us to some degree as well. It's, we 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 love to sort of. I've seen, I've seen so much of this this year, this push towards 
blaming other people. Blame everyone else for everyone else's problem. Blame everyone else for your problems. Actually, we need to take some responsibility as well. You know, I couldn't have continued in my job if I didn't learn how to use a screen reader. No, absolutely. Simple as that. You know, Braille is great. And we talk about Braille and I love Braille. To me, Braille at my age is about leisure. It's not really about, I I couldn't apply it to work. I don't think I'm in that position. I don't think I'm, I'm, my brain just hasn't got it in me to achieve that. But with a screen reader, it can and it should, and it will keep me in a a job, essentially. So... Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's where I, that's the kind of biggest takeaway I think when it comes to it, um, you know, of all of this is that you know we can't be complacent, but it is on us to make sure that we do our bit and yes. we praise. I think we praise the companies when they do well. You know, a lot of yeah. great products out there. A lot of them are brilliant. I think we need to call out. You know, we've got in trouble a bit this year because we've talked out about <laughs> product products that you know are specialist products as well, and the you know not one hundred percent. And I think it's okay to call that out. Yeah. Because you need to be able to say, look, actually, I'm not just going to take anything. It has to work. Yes. Especially when you're taking my money off me. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, I I think also calling out when I think some things are a little bit, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When, you know, causing alarm to people alarmist mm. about you know especially when we're talking about lady a and, and amazon people do rely on it. it isn't simply a gadget in you know in the corner of everyone's living room although it's incredibly successful mm. for some people like like us it, it is uh, you know it can be a lifeline out there yeah. so um yes uh, lady a isn't going anywhere it's, it's just something i want to <laughs> repeat myself on yeah I, I i totally agree i mean it's not going anywhere because god i mean imagine being left with google home and city <laughs> anyway uh oh, listen why? we're back tomorrow we've got lots more we're going to talk about on the show tomorrow and uh we'll continue our seven days of 2022 thank you so much for being with us this week and uh sean i'll catch you tomorrow bye bye thank you check us out daily on ami audio and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast also find us across social media and on youtube at double tap on air catch you tomorrow the walrus is canada's conversation and you're invited to take part download ami's voices of the walrus where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine available wherever you download your ami podcasts